Good morning, and thank you for tuning in to Tuolumne Community Baptist Church podcast. We're about to get started here in a few minutes, but I just wanted to talk to you a little bit and give you a very special uh, Christmas greetings. Merry Christmas to everyone out there. I just got a, an email from uh, one of my listeners that told me how much last week's message meant to him, that it really helped him to get back into the true meaning of Christmas. And it was so surprising because I thought last week's message was really pretty rough. But today we have something that I'm talking about. What exactly he was saying to me in his email was, we're going to talk about the true meaning of Christmas. And I think even us Christians, we've, we've kind of lost it a little bit. The true meaning of what God has done for us in sending Jesus Christ to this earth. I hope you enjoy this message. I hope it helps you to enter into this joyous time of year that we have to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I hope that it helps you get closer to your families and your loved ones and even those that, well, maybe you don't even like so much. I hope that it kind of changes everything and how we think, and what we do, and how we live as Christians. God bless you guys. I hope you enjoy the message this morning. It'll be coming to you here in just a few seconds. Thank you, and God bless. So this morning, we're going to look at what I call the true meaning of Christmas. You know, it would be an interesting thing to do, and Maybe one of these days, Sean, you and I'll have the time where we could take a little video camera and we go out and we ask somebody, tell me what the true meaning of Christmas is. And, and get kind of a consensus of our, of our neighborhood. You know, what does Christmas mean to you? What's the true meaning of Christmas? And I think there are people that would state it maybe like I would, but probably not using my words. But Christmas can mean a lot of different things to different people. And hearing the multitude of definitions about this holiday, it can make us callous and forgetful about its true meaning. And we must be careful not to become too attached to anything other than the true meaning of Christmas. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. The day that we celebrate is the day that our Savior showed up to save us from ourselves, from our sin. But this is not the Christmas message we hear in the world. The truth is, this day is marked by the birth of Jesus. And do you realize how phenomenal it is that our world, our world, bases its calendar on the birth of Jesus? Now, they may not realize it or even profess it, but that's what our calendar is based on, the life and death of Jesus Christ. Tell me that's not an impact on the world. The impact that God had on us and still does. Who was born to, who was born to stop the separation between God and man that sin started. You see, before... Jesus' birth, God was angry at man, at mankind, because of sin, which brought curses and condemnation and death. And Jesus was heaven's peace offering. He came to take away all the curses and to leave all the blessings. 
Christmas is the day to celebrate the arrival of this peace offering, born that we could have our right standing before God. Because that's truly what it's all about. I can't stand before God. But Jesus can stand before God for me and take my place. So let's look at the Christmas story in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 2. And she brought forth a son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. I may talk about that next week. There's an interesting story in the whole thing about swaddling clothes, but I don't have time to go there today, but it's God. And laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now there was in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. You realize these shepherds could have been as young as eight years old and as old as 50 or 60. They, all ages. Remember King David was out there watching the sheep and he was just a kid, just a little kid. But shepherds were considered kind of the, the lowest of the low. They stayed out there with the sheep. Isn't it interesting that the angels came to them? So there they were, living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. Verse 9, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and glory of the Lord shone around them. I believe it became daylight in the night, and they were greatly afraid, wouldn't you? Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring good tidings and great joy, which will be to all people, not just Christian people, not white people, black people, all people, all nations, all beliefs, all people. You can't discriminate. There's all people that Jesus came for. For there is a son born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. There it is again, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Some translations in Luke 14 say, peace among men. I'll tell you, if your Bible says that, they missed it. That's not what they said. Jesus did not come for everyone to be at peace with one another. Did you realize that? He came to make peace between us and him. We can tell by looking around us and seeing the continued strife and division in our world today. There's no peace in this world today. It's a huge mess. If you follow politics at all, my goodness, you're going crazy watching this crazy show. There's no peace. So it didn't come that there would be peace between men. It was peace between God. What the angel had announced was for all people. And most people are aware that a Savior was born, but it is also important to consider what he came to save us from. 
And we find the answer, the angel told Joseph. Look at Matthew one twenty one. We looked at this last week. We'll look again. And she will bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. All people from their sins. You say, well, I thought it was to bring peace and goodwill amongst men. No. There's still going to be strife. There's still going to be battles. We're still going to be going through hard times. It's peace between us and God. He doesn't have to be angry at us anymore like he was in the Old Testament. Have any of you read the Old Testament? I mean, he opened up the ground and sent thousands of them to hell instantly because he was angry at their sinful behavior. He was, he's a consuming fire. And God had to have a peace offering, one that would cover us so that he could communicate with us. Listen to what Jesus had to say about his own coming. Look at Matthew 10, 34, 36. You're not going to like this. Do not think I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I had come to set man against his father, daughter against her mother, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and man's, and a man's enemies will be those in his own household. Wow. Is that hard to swallow? You see, what he's saying is, when you, you know, you, you could be, imagine if you were a Muslim in today's world and became a Christian. You would be, you'd be cast out. You'd be against your father, your mother, your brothers, your sisters. It would be a horrible battle, your belief in what Jesus Christ, and he was trying to tell us that's the way it's going to be. People say, well, you know, since I became a Christian, my parents, they really don't want to talk to me anymore. Well, then just love them. Love them into the kingdom of God. Jesus told us in his own words it was going to be that way. Look at Matthew 24, 6 and 7. He says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For a nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. Can we see that in our world today? Nations here is translated from the Greek word ethnos, which is where we get the word of ethnic is derived. And there is plenty of conflict between ethnic groups. The angel was not announcing peace on earth between other people, but peace on earth and goodwill toward man from God. Previously, man, previously, God was at war against man's sins. God's wrath and judgment was evident in the Old Testament. The anger, punishment, and condemnation we read about in the Old Testament is totally unjustified in the New Testament. Why? Because of Jesus. Throughout the Old Testament, we see God's wrath and anger. We need a Savior. I need a Savior. And that's what he brought, was a Savior. Look at some of this. I'm going to show you in Deuteronomy 4, 23, 24. Take heed to yourselves, lest you forget the covenant, the Lord your God, which he made with you 
and made for yourselves, a, and you made for yourselves a carved image in the form of anything which the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Thank you for Jesus. Deuteronomy 6.15 For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. God has the ability, but he needed to come to earth where he didn't have to destroy us. Deuteronomy 29. Then the people say, because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord, God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt, for they went and served other gods and worshiped them. Gods they did not know that he had not given them. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against this land to bring, it, to bring on it every curse that is written in this book. And the Lord uprooted them from their land in anger and wrath and great indignation and cast them into another land as it is to this day. Verse 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us. The Old Testament belongs to us, and we need to see those stories and realize what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ, because they're ours for ours, us to know. For those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of the law. When Jesus was born, he completed the law. He ended the war between God and man. The gospel is the good news that God is no longer angry at you or me. It is the good news that Jesus delivered us and paid the price to stop God's wrath on us because of sin. God loves us and he wants to extend all his blessings towards us. Jesus was God's peace offering to man and the perfect sin sacrifice. And we have to remember that. Let's look at Romans 2, 1 through 4. He says, Therefore, you are inexcusable, old man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. Do you realize... All the people out there in the world that sin, all their sins are forgiven. Do you realize that Jesus paid the price for all sin? Well, what about that man that's done horrible things to little children? Or what about that man who has killed somebody? What about this? God paid the price for each and every one of those. And we're sitting here and going to judge them? See, that's what he's trying to tell us. Stop judging people because Jesus Christ has already paid the price for all that sin. It's already paid for. Stop judging them. Love them. It's been paid for. No, I'm not saying that you let a murderer out of prison. I'm not saying that there isn't a price to pay for crimes that are committed. We know that there are. We live in a world where there's laws, thank God. 
that we have loss and we're not living in pure anarchy. There's a price to be paid when we live in sin. But we have to understand that Jesus Christ died for all sin once and for all. Here's the problem if they have never accepted him. Sins have been paid for. It's not a sin problem that we go to hell for. It's the fact that we don't accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's not a sin problem at all. That's been paid for. Let's look in verse 2. It says, But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those participating in such things, and do the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? If we're judging people, thinking that we're better than them because we don't do that, you're as guilty as they are. We had to stop judging people and love people for simply who they are and spread the good news that God has died for those sins. They are covered. They are gone. Verse 4 says, Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, his forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? It's the goodness of God. It's God being so good to us. He was so good to me that I had to finally break down and stop everything I was doing and say, Jesus, I love you because you have loved me through all this, for all this dysfunction in my life. You just simply loved me. And I finally realized it took me a long time. I lived in a world a lot longer than I even like to talk about, but it took me a long time to finally see and finally know that it's his loving goodness that led me to repentance. Not someone telling me that if I don't turn, I'm going to burn. What it was is his loving repentance. It caused me to turn towards him because he loved me. Because I had a friend who loved me so much that he just continued to be my friend even though I was living in sin. And that's what we need to do with our friend John is just to continue to love him. Continue to love him, no matter what, because his sins are paid for. Jesus already paid the price. We don't have to judge him. We don't have to condemn him. It's not the fear of God that leads us to him. It's his goodness that leads us and brings us to repentance. So we need to talk about this. What does repentance mean? Well, repentance does not mean simply saying, I'm sorry. It literally means to change a change of mind and heart leading to a change in direction. And this takes time. I didn't get saved and just run out and start preaching the word. I didn't stop smoking right away. I didn't even stop drinking right away. But there was a change in direction that was taking its course. And I began to change a little bit. A little bit at a time. And I thought, you know what? I don't, I don't need to get drunk anymore. So I, I cut way back. And, and I, I, I was still so convicted that I still smoked. Well, I'd smoke a little bit less. I would fast from smoking. Just give it to God for a day. People say, oh, did you quit smoking? No. 
I didn't. I was just fasting from it. I gave it to God today. And slowly, slowly over time, it turned me towards that repentance, towards what I know now Jesus Christ had already paid for. God's strategy for dealing with man's sin is to be so good to us that we would want to change our minds. It is to do good things for us that we do not deserve. That's what mercy is, is giving the stuff to us that we do not deserve. Mercy is when we do not get the bad that we deserve for the bad things that we do. God is not responsible for the bad things that happens. There is a devil loose, and he comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, and you have to know that that's John 10.10. That Jesus came that we might have life and that we may live it more abundantly. God wants us to live abundant, full lives, full of joy, full of him. Let's look at Romans chapter 5, verse 20. It says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense may abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. See, we don't, I don't think half of us get that. Is anybody here, do, am I the only one that misses the mark? I, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm the only guy here that sometimes says the stupidest thing falls out of my mouth. I, and you know what, we call it sin. I'll get angry when I shouldn't get angry. I'll, I'll be snappy with my wife when I shouldn't be snappy with her. I'll, 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 you know what? His mercy. He doesn't give me what I deserve. He's already forgiven me. And I just got to hope she'll give me some mercy when I see my way clear. I'm an idiot, honey. And she says, yeah, I know. I love that idiot. And she puts up with me. And I love her for it, and I, I thank her for it every day. Did I read verse 20 yet? Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Yes, I did. God is just, but justice is required that someone pay the price for our sins. And Jesus paid the price. Reminds me of a story I just heard of a judge, a really good judge. And he was asked by a personal friend if he could take care of his speeding ticket. You know, you got a friend that's a judge and you got a speeding ticket. You know, they're at a party, they're having some Christmas cocktails, and, you know, and he says, Hey, Fred. You're a judge. Can you take care of my speeding ticket? And the judge says, sure. Give me the ticket. And he takes care of it. So now they see each other at a New Year's party. And he says, hey, Fred, did you take care of that kid? He says, yeah, I paid it. What? You paid it? I didn't want you to pay it. I wanted you to know, fix it. And he says, I'm a judge. Did you break the law? And he said, well, yeah, I was speeding, but I wanted you to fix it. He said, I can't fix it. When you break the law, there has to be a price paid. 
And I love you enough that I just paid the ticket. He said, well, I could have paid the ticket. Then you should have. You shouldn't have been asking me to fix it. But when we break the law, there has to be a price. And Jesus Christ has paid that price. He's paid the price for my past, for my present, and for my future indiscretions. I pray that there'll be less and less of them as I go, as I get closer to my time to be with him. Because not a single one of us is going to be perfect until we're with him. So obviously I'll continue to make mistakes. But I know that my price is paid. And when I see that again and again and again that that price is paid, it turns me to repentance. And it's not just that I'm sorry. It's God, help me not to do that anymore. Help me not to go there. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, For you were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Do you realize you're not your own? You're God's. He paid for you. He bought you with a price. And he paid the price. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How many know that that takes a little bit of time? I heard one lady say she got saved, and she said, I left church, and I said, Oh, my hands look like brand new, and yes, my feet do too. No, they didn't. They're exactly the same as before you got saved. This is a process. We repent of our sins and we turn towards God. It's not going to buy you a new house. He's not going to pay your bills. But certainly a blessing can fall your way. God's hand is upon your life. He said, I was reading that in 7 through 19, it says, If anyone is Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. Verse 18, now all things are of God, who is reconciled, reconciled us to himself. You see, that's what Christmas is all about. God reconciling himself to us. That's the only way. There had to be a price that was paid. So God came. through a virgin, to become a man. Was raised up till he was 30 years old and then went into ministry. And now we base our calendar after this man. This is the man that paid the price for the world. Not just for you, but for the world. He says, verse 18, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing our trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliations. At Christmas time, we must focus on Jesus, who is the peace offering. He is the most important gift at all, and that's what we should be celebrating. That's what we should be teaching our kids. That's what we need to be talking about. 
If we have reconciled ourselves with what Jesus had did, we have been reconciled. And not everyone's going to do that. Not everyone has received what he did, nor will some. But Jesus made the difference of how God relates to man. God's wrath is over. It's over. The issue is not sin. It's not sin at all. We have to understand it's about the payment for it. That's what Jesus did is he paid the price. He paid for sin. And that was the payment of all. To impute something is to hold it against someone. God is not holding our sins against us. The mistake we make is trying God's abilities, is tying God's abilities to our goodness. So that's what we try to do. We tie what God does good for us by how good we're being. It doesn't work that way at all. He's already paid the price. It's not about us being... See, that's the Christmas... That's the Santa Claus attitude that they brought into Christmas, whether you're bad or good. Jesus paid the price for all our bad. And the gift is ours. All we have to do is accept him. That's all we have to do is accept Jesus Christ and the gift that he paid. Jesus isn't Santa Claus. He's God. It's not about whether we were naughty or nice. It's not about us being blessed because of our goodness. God doesn't bless me because I stand here and preach to you. He died on a cross for me. He died on a cross for you. And yet the world thinks it's some strange thing. They get angry when they say, oh, but you say there's only one way to God. Yes, there is only one way to God, and it's for everyone. Whether you're a Muslim, whether you're a whatever, different religions that you are out there, it's for everyone. You can have this gift. You can have it. It's free. It's yours. That's the true meaning of Christmas is what Jesus Christ had done, what God had done himself. You do realize that Jesus is God. That God himself, the creator of the universe, came and allowed man to torture him and to beat him and to crucify him so that he could rise again and take the keys from Satan himself all for us. And he simply said, all you have to do is believe. That's it. Just believe. It's not about you being bad or good, naughty or nice. Just believe. And if you truly believe, we're going to try to do things his way. We're not going to judge our neighbors for the sin they're in because that sin's already been paid for. We're going to love them for just who they are. And maybe... If we're nice enough, we'll get the opportunity to tell someone that. Amen? To tell them how good God is. That's 
what Christmas is all about.